Hi, I'm Bob Eckblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple. Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. I've been really moved lately by Psalm 136 and finding it highly relevant both personally and I think in the moment that we're living in, this psalm seems really essential to just bring hope in um, as we face lots of different impasses. You know, I just think lately what we've been facing um, in the way of the opioid crisis, you know, we've just had so many overdose deaths in our county from fentanyl. And um, we're also seeing blockages in our court system where people aren't allowed to, you know, move forward just because of technical difficulties in terms of the law and the system's will in unwillingness to, you know, to really give people breaks. And I just see this everywhere in, in our prison system and jail system. And um, just looking at some of the impasses in the world, the situation in Ukraine, um, the realities of global warming and how very little is being actually done to address just the growing uh, heating of the planet and um, climate crisis. But anyway, I just want to read this psalm, and um, which I think reorients us and brings us to a place of just being able to affirm uh, the goodness of God and um, God's love. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. You know, just even beginning there, giving thanks to the Lord for his good, being able to affirm the goodness of God in the face of so many crises around the world and just impasses in our own personal life and national life, local life. You know, um, it's often uh, a temptation, I guess, to blame God and just to think, well, why isn't God shifting things? Why isn't, why aren't our prayers being answered? Is, is God good? And of course, the accuser is right there to try to um, tell us the contrary, that God is not good, that God is, you know, distant, passive, impotent, doesn't care, too busy, whatever it is. Um, but here, um, the psalmist says, give thanks to the Lord for he's good. And in the Greek text, the term give thanks is, instead, we have another term that is used, which is, which is exomogoleo, exomogoleo, which means to agree fully, to acknowledge, you know, to um, to profess, you know, to confess. I like this, you know, so profess, confess, agree fully to the Lord for he is good. Um, you know, agree that the Lord is good. Uh, profess that, speak that out. For his loving kindness, that's his hesed, which is kindness or goodness. It's a beautiful word in Hebrew. Um, his goodness is everlasting. And everlasting, what what does that mean? Yesterday in our service at Tenueva, I was looking over at a friend who, you know, has struggled with her car. You know, she's just had nonstop problems with different issues with the car. And, you know, and all of us, I mean, a lot of us have problems with our cars. You know, the we have to fill them up with gasoline if we don't have an, an electric car um, and oil. And um, imagine if, you're, if your car was everlasting. You could just drive it and drive it and drive it, and the tires wouldn't wear out. The, it would never need to be filled up with gas. It would never need any oil. If your car was everlasting in, a, in, in, in the sense that it just went, it just took you everywhere you needed to go and you never had to worry about it. It was just, it was just permanent. It was constant. I mean, that's what that term everlasting means. You know, it really means like, like permanent and um, never runs out, constant. And so um, 
we confess, we profess, you know, we give thanks to the Lord for he's good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. You know, just remembering that and, um, and becoming, I guess, convinced by it ourselves is really important. And that's the, that's the refrain, you know, the chorus of this psalm that was repeated over and over again after every statement. So verse 2, give thanks to the God of gods. You know, I love this. This God that we worship is the, the Father of Jesus. He's the creator of the universe. He is the God over all the small g gods. And um, and it, this is followed by, um, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And then verse 3, give thanks to the Lord of lords. That's the, the Adonai of the Adonaim, you know, the, the Lord over the lords, the Lord of the lords. So all the small g gods and all the small l lords, our God is the highest power. You know, the Father of Jesus is the highest power over all these small g gods and small l lords. And what are these small g gods and small l lords? Like, you know, when I just think locally, I think of, um, you know, uh, the Department of Corrections is definitely a small g god, even though they have a lot of power and a lot of control and they can really make life's, life difficult for people. And they also do work that is needed. I'm not saying that they're just all evil. But wow, they can be really uh, problematic. And our court system, you know, just the state of Washington and some of the laws that get passed, which are so ridiculous that lawmakers who are out of touch with reality of people on the streets and people struggling with addiction and stuck in a criminal lifestyle, they often are very punitive in the way that they, um, they enforce the laws. And, you know, right now our jail itself um, is, uh, people are locked down 23 hours a day. They only have one hour in which they need to shower, talk to anybody on the phone, get any kind of rec, rec time, you know, one hour a day with, where they're out. And this is common around the United States where jails are understaffed. And then they use that as an excuse to not give people any time out instead of like getting with it and figuring out how to pay people adequate wages so that they can actually hire enough workers. And, uh, but why should the inmates just be suffering to that extent? And so anyway, small g gods um, are include like all these big corporations that we see on our, you know, in our mall areas of our of our cities, you know, Walmart, you know, Costco, um, Kruger's, you know, Fred Meyer, like in our cities, um, all the banks, you know, Bank of America, you know, um, Google, Facebook, you know, Meta, whatever, um, the internet, you know, um, USA, France, Europe, uh, Russia, Putin, you know, all these are small g gods, right? Money, US dollar, British pound, uh, euro, you know, um, whatever it is, the currencies around the world are all small g gods. So we're giving thanks to the God of gods who's good and um, the Lord of lords whose loving kindness is everlasting. Unlike um, all these systems that are their favor that they might give us, uh, say the stock market, their favors, that the favor you get from the stock market is clearly not everlasting. It goes up and down, up and down, 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 then up maybe again. But it's a fickle and very unreliable God, um, as is even our bodies, um, if we elevate them and we drive them to, to be healthy by exercising them and eating properly and sleeping properly and doing everything. They still uh, get older and they, and they, in the end, they, you know, they, they give out don't they? And they're not everlasting. And, um, and our planet is not everlasting. Mother Earth is not eternal. 
it is finite. It is, it is in the process of dying. And so whatever you can, however you want to identify, um, you know, the small g gods, I, I, we were giving lists of all kinds of things like bipolar disorder, um, methamphetamines, um, weed, uh, alcohol, fentanyl, heroin, whatever it might be, the economy. Okay. So we give thanks to the Lord of Lords, the God of gods, um, who is over all of these powers and whose, um, love is, um, everlasting. His loving kindness is everlasting. So continuing on, um, verse four to him who alone does great wonders. Now here we're talking about great wonders. Um, that is a term that is in Greek, thaumasios, which, uh, occurs everywhere in the Septuagint version of, uh, you know, of Psalm 136 or, or the Septuagint of just the Old Testament. And it's referring to all the signs and wonders, the wonders that, that Moses did or that God did when um, he was leading the Israelites out of slavery and leading them through the desert, you know, miraculous signs. And um, it only occurs once in the New Testament regarding Jesus's healing of the, of the blind and in the temple you know, in Matthew 21, 15, uh, the term for sign, um, and signs and wonders in Greek is actually a different term. You know, it's the term, um, Simeon and tapas. But, but anyway, so I, I looked up that just to see if that was the same terminology, but it isn't. But anyway, like only God is uh, able to do these kinds of wonders. Human beings can't do them. Um, AI can't do them. Um, you know, we'll never be able to do uh, w true wonders that that defy what's possible in terms of the natural order of things or you know the digital order of things um, we we need to remember that and this psalm reminds us of that and that's what is said right after this so to him who alone does great wonders for his loving kindness is everlasting to him who made the heavens with skill for his loving kindness is everlasting wow um the other day, my daughter and I, Anna and I were walking in the night, um, sky under the night sky. And it was, uh, I had a flashlight on it and I said, dad, turn off the light, check out the sky. And we just looked up and it was so beautiful. Just so many stars and you, you could just see everything with such clarity. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just uh, amazing to look out at nature. You know, I live in a spot where I can look out over the Skagit river and there's trees with branches that, um, this morning the wind was moving the branches gently and it was, it was a gentle rain and it was so beautiful. And I, and I just look out and I think, wow, um, the creator of this beauty is, um, is really our God who is above all of these artificial, uh, you know, things like, uh, you know, like just think about our news media, we get all this information, which, you know, which is true or true or false. I mean, it's, it's a mixture, it's propaganda, uh, a lot of it, and it's hard to get or accurate read on what's happening based on news feeds, right? But we, we get all this information coming our way. We hear about all these products, you know, we're being sold on things left and right. You know, we, we can get into this whole reality on our, on our uh, phones and computers that is just a digital reality that isn't actually uh, flesh and blood, you know, like uh, material reality. It's, it's, it's this other reality which of course has uh, dollars and cents attached to it. You know, there's finances, like we, we look at our bank account, our online banking, and we make purchases on the internet and, and actual things come to us, 
you know, when we order through Amazon or, or, or whatever. Um, but when you just look at the, the world that is man-made and um, everything, of course, needs to be upkeep all the time. Um, in contrast, the natural world is just, uh, there's a purity and a beauty about it that is so refreshing. You know, I drove over the North Cascades highways two days ago with, with Anna and I was just, we were blown away by the beauty. It was the mountains and the trees and um, the sky. And, and then as it got darker, the mist uh, coming down over the highway. And, you know, just, um, I, I think wilderness does so much good for me. And just to remember that our creator is, uh, you know, is, has given us these lives that we have, our bodies and our loved ones and, and just the beauty of the earth. Um, and so here the psalmist is focusing on that. And I, I think, wow, you know, Jesus went out into the wilderness to pray. And I, I totally get that, you know, just being uh, we're so often distracted by just all the material reality and digital reality around us. Um, so to him who made the heavens with skill for his love and kindness is everlasting, to him who spread out the earth above the waters, like this is one way of thinking about the world, right? The, the, the earth, the the firm land that is um, has is viewed as being spread out over the seas, you know, we we get to live on dry ground, and um, and so there's boundaries between us and and rivers and oceans and 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 sounds, and such lakes, for His loving kindness is everlasting. To the one who made the great lights, um, you know, God is not gendered; He's not a him. Um, so let's. I'm going to correct myself here and say to the one who made the great lights um, for his loving kindness is everlasting. So all of these lights out there and here, they're just called lights. They're not called by names that could be deified because um, we tend to deify these things like all throughout human history, different tribal communities and peoples and, and now new age people are elevating, um, you know, the, the sky, you know, the stars, the, you know, through the zodiac or, you know, um, astrological signs, you know, we elevate these things and we maybe forget or, or never have known in the first place that these are all creatures. They're, they're creations. They're non-sentient creations that were made by the creator. And they're just called great lights for his loving kindness is everlasting. The sun to rule by day for his loving kindness is everlasting. The moon and the stars to rule by night for his loving kindness is everlasting. So these are all things that, that in, in many cultures um, are deified as small G gods or maybe big G gods for some, some peoples. And people make sacrifices to the sun, to the stars, um, to, the, to, you know, to the elements, fire, water, uh, wind, um, and, uh, or to the directions, you know, north, south, east, and west, to the elements, the elementary, um, you know, the elementary things of the universe. Um, so then let's, we go on to verse 10. And so here we, we see suddenly God, um, everything shifts in the Psalm and we get uh, this, these violent images of God. And I want to spend a little bit of time unpacking this. So first there's reflection on God as creator of all the material world that we can see around us. And, and um, although here it's not, not, you know, the animal world's not mentioned but just the material, non-sentient world. But then now in verse 10, to the one who smote the Egyptians in their firstborn, for his loving kindness is everlasting. 
Okay, so how do we understand that as positive news? You know, I'm a firstborn. My wife, Gracie, is a firstborn. My son, Isaac, is a firstborn. For those of us that are firstborn, this text is especially problematic, although maybe we're not Egyptians, so that gives us a way out. But how do we understand this as good news? And I've spent a lot of time working on this. And actually, um, you know, the firstborn, according to um, the Hebrew Bible, and the, you know, the Mosaic law were to be consecrated to the Lord. And that was done through an offering of like a firstborn uh, of, the, of the sheep or of the, you know, and, and Passover was all about that, where you took a, a firstborn of the flock, you know, a male lamb and, and you slaughtered it and, and you roasted the meat and you took the blood and you put it over the doorposts. And that was protecting you from the angel of death. And it was, um, the firstborn represented the entirety of the offspring. So it, it represented really the, the longevity or the, the continuation of that family line because genealogies were calculated from firstborn to firstborn to firstborn, firstborn male to firstborn male. That was the, the culture of the, of the day, the patriarchal culture. Um, and, um, and so when, um, the firstborn Egyptians, they, uh, when they didn't have, um, stand-in like a lamb that took the place of their firstborn, then God actually took their firstborn. And that can be read as actually God uh, claiming is Egypt as his possession, which um, God does say else throughout the scriptures, you know, Egypt is mine. And of course, the earth is the Lord and everything, everyone in it. And so because Israel, Egypt didn't acknowledge that doesn't make it untrue. Um, you know, the, the the Passover shows us and the liberation of the Egyptian, of the Israelites from Egypt shows us that regardless of what people thought, God um, is, um, everything belongs to the Lord. And so, of course, this is very violent, but um, if we see it in a spiritual way and we see it as being realized in Jesus, who is God's firstborn, who comes and gives himself, you know, God, for God so loved the world that he, God, the creator, gave his only begotten son and Jesus himself was in full agreement. He, you know, God gave himself as an offering, um, you know, for the sins of the world. And, and so, you know, we have, um, you know, we have salvation through Jesus. But anyway, um, the firstborn then would represent the continuation of the Egyptians as an empire. So uh, think about some of the things that uh, just seem to continue from generation to generation, like the billionaire class of our um, world, you know, um, their children are automatically billionaires when, when their parents die. I mean, usually, unless the parents refuse to, you know, give them an inheritance. But, you know, you have class structures, social class structures that continue um, on and on and on and on and on. You have corporate uh, corporations as entities that continue because they're actually classified as individuals according to the U.S. Um, you know, legal system. And when a, a stock, you know, stockholders, when they have, well, there's a board of directors of a, of a huge entity, those boards of directors are continually rotating so that they continue. And every company and every, um, every entity like nation states, they continue through, through the political parties and, you know, through the, um, you know, just whatever system is in place in, in that nation. And so, um, you know, the, the Lord, um, striking, smiting the Egyptians in their firstborn is a way of saying, 
you know, that God really puts an end to this, the, the, the permanence, you know, the repetition of these, of, of empire as something that is, is eternal. You know, it's not eternal. It is not uh, everlasting. You know, empire is not everlasting. And uh, we've seen that the British empire had uh, just dominated so much of the world, but, but no longer do they. And, um, right now, um, China is ascending and, um, and the U.S. is still probably the dominant empire. And so when the Egyptian firstborn are struck, it's like God is refusing to allow, um, you know, evil to just uh, continue forward in infinitely, which is, which is why, you know, the, the first humans were cast out of the garden, you know, uh, so that they couldn't eat of the tree of, of, of life, which would allow them to continue forward forever. Um, and, and so they were cast out and uh, death was you know, came into the world as something that didn't, dis didn't allow for the permanence of, you know, of evil to, and the growing of evil. It put a check on the rise of evil. So to him who smote the Egyptians in their firstborn is a way of saying to him who really put a stop to colonialism, to, uh, to the Crusades, to uh, global warming, ideally, hopefully, um, to uh, just the subjugation of humans by humans through trafficking, through slavery. Um, and uh, anyway, let's keep going because this goes into even more detail. Verse 11, and brought Israel out of their midst. So God is not just about smiting the powers, but it's in the interests of God's liberating action. Um, and so Israel was brought out at that moment. In fact, um, you know, when the Egyptians were grieving the, the loss of their firstborn, that's when uh, Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron to come. And he tells him, you know, get out with you and your people and your livestock, you know, leave. And he sent them out. But, um, and so the death of the firstborn, that final 10th plague actually created uh, a breaking point for Egypt that um, allowed for people to flee. Um, and they, they were prepared because they had their staffs and their sandals and and they'd eaten the Passover lamb, and they had the unleavened bread, and off they went. And um, and so the liberation um, was occasioned, but not completely, because that's actually, um, you know, the powers, it wasn't enough just to reform the powers, and, and, and reformation wasn't because the powers finally agreed. Um, they agreed only temporarily, and then, um, which is why we need the next verse. Uh, verse 12, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. Um, so God brought Israel out of their midst for his loving kindness is everlasting with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. Okay, that's that's language having to do with how God moves as a savior uh, with the, you know, the arm for his loving kindness is everlasting to him who divided the Red Sea asunder. Okay, so remember the, the Egyptians suddenly realized, wow, we're losing our whole slave class. You know, um, we gotta we gotta go after them. Um, I think about Florida right now, uh, making it illegal to be an undocumented immigrant, but, but um, you know, like really in an aggressive way. And so many uh, undocumented immigrants have left Florida, and I I'm sure that the state, uh, a lot of employers are freaking out. I know they are uh, because you know where are they going to get workers to bring in harvests and to do the dishwashing in restaurants and to do the meat packing and meat packing plants and the fish packing plants and so many industries that depend upon undocumented workers and 
And I know there are people making efforts to actually hang on to workers and, and maybe chasing after them in a way. But this is more aggressive. They're actually, you know, Egypt pharaohs going after them. And they get right to the point where they're at the Sea of Reeds. And, and they're stuck. And they got the Egyptian um, army bearing down on them. And that's when, uh, you know, Moses, um, you know, is told, you know, to go and with his staff and to, and to move it in the direction to face the, you know, the sea. And we have, you know, this powerful uh, section of, of Exodus, you know, chapter 12, you know, where, um, you know, where we have, um, or 14, excuse me, Moses, um, in verse 13, chapter 14, Moses said to the people, do not fear, stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you've seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. As for me, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all of his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. So then you have, you know, this moment when the sea opens up and Israel goes through on dry ground. Um, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, verse 21. The Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided and the sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on dry land and the waters were like a wall to them on their right and on their left. Then the Egyptians took up pursuit and all Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen went in after them into the midst of the sea. At the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and the cloud brought and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve and he made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, let's flee from Israel for the Lord is fighting for them and against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots and their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal state at daybreak while the Egyptians were fleeing right into it. Then the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after them. Not even one of them remained. So the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And, the Is and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. So anyway, that scripture is, um, is what's referred to here in this psalm. Um, verse 10, um, or excuse me, verse um, 14, and he made Israel pass through the midst of it and his loving kind, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And God overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea for his loving kindness is everlasting. So this is really talking about something that, um, that I've mentioned in other podcasts that um, refers to how the powers are not in scripture seen as being reformable Okay, contrary to, I think, misreadings of Colossians 1, where God, Jesus is described as reconciling all things to himself, you know, whether thrones or dominions or powers, 
And I think that one scripture is often used to justify um, efforts to promote um, social change that are based on, you know, voting, you know, giving people access to uh, the right to vote or, or just even mobilizing, organizing. Of course, we must um, exercise our, um, our right to, um, to organize and, and we must seek to try to reform things. But I think it's one thing to, 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 to realize we, we need to be about reforming things for the sake of, of just um, people, our, you know, our, our, the people that are living now and the generations that follow. But it's another matter to, to, to believe that we, we can win, that we're going to win this uh, struggle, that democracy wins over uh, dictatorships and over fascism, that somehow our system in the West is a superior system and it will vanquish all these other systems or, you know, or that any system is going to be, uh, is going to be vanquish, is going to be able to succeed. You know, um, there's such a dangerous um, kind of post-millennial mindset that is present in the, on the left and on the right in our, our world that we need to resist. And, um, you know, God makes it, scripture makes it really clear that the powers are finite and they will be destroyed. And anyone who's been on the bottom and been struggling and being oppressed by these powers doesn't really have a problem with that. Okay, it's people that benefit from um, the stability and the, of, of these structures like the rich and the powerful. And, you know, many of us who have access to, you know, lots of different uh, resources and opportunities, you know, we're, we're more threatened. And so we're more prone to believe the lies that actually you know, uh, it's possible to advance and 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 save things, save this world, save the planet. Um, you know, only Jesus can save. It's not going to be saved through ref reforming the powers. That means the powers, everything's up to them to be to you know to to bow to the will of the people or to to be reformed in some way. And like Pharaoh would have been the one who got the credit for finally relenting. But really, um, it's not Pharaoh that gets the credit. The only savior is the Lord. And so um, I think this needs to be something we remember right now as uh, something that puts um, our activism into a healthy perspective. Um, so then we go into this next part where things get more specific, like, um, for first of all, verse 16, to the one who led his people through the wilderness, Okay, for his loving kindness is everlasting. So once out of the systems of oppression, um, you know, when you're between the land of slavery and the land of freedom, the land flowing with milk and honey, um, God is there committed to guide us. And this really resonates with the people in, at Tierra Nueva, who many of whom are out of a life of active addiction, they're in recovery, or they've, they've been free from, from just the revolving door of jail and prison. And uh, yet they're not really in the land of milk and honey. They're, they're, they're barely making ends meet. They're, they're behind. They, they owe more than they're making. Uh, they're, they owe more than their, the bill, their bills, their week, monthly bills. And, um, and so they're struggling and they're really in a place of struggle. And when you're in the wilderness and you haven't yet come to a place of, of financial security or, or just personal security, you know, you need to be led. And this is the, this, this God, uh, the creator of the world, uh, the one who made the great lights and, you know, the sea and the, and the mountains and everything. This is a God who uh, we give thanks to him because he led, he leads uh, us, his people through the wilderness for his loving kindness is everlasting 
to the one who smote great kings for his loving kindness is everlasting. So once again, God, this isn't a God who's reforming great kings. And we have to be careful when we think of kings. This is the term uh, melech, which is king. And it's a term that can be used as um, synonymous with the language of the powers, like um, 1 Corinthians 15, where um, it says, then comes the end after um, God, Jesus has destroyed every ruler, every authority, every power, right? Um, the kings fit into that category of principalities and powers. And, um, and we need to see them not as material, like human, flesh and blood, humans, sentient beings, but as the power, the spiritual power that is represented by, say, a title of president or prime minister or um, corporate executive or president of a, of a company or executive director or priest or pastor or, you know, whatever it might be, um, gang chief, you know, boss, um, you know, uh, brand, whatever the brand is, um, to him who smote great kings. So um, smote is a very strong word. It means like destroy and slew mighty kings. So just in case you're wondering uh, whether the great and the mighty are both included as being as being slewn or destroyed, they both are. Okay, so all of these things that are the powers and principalities that definitely work for some if you're in the place of, of, of power, if you're a beneficiary. Like clearly, and when I was in South Africa, I could see that I as a white person and as an American, I could just fly in there. I could move from um, the poorest neighborhoods into the richest neighborhoods and no one would really question me. I mean, in some of the poorest neighborhoods, maybe people would look at me and wonder what I was doing. Um, like in one case, I was going through Manenberg and I, I was I clicked a few pictures of some people on a street corner with my iPhone and the people started swearing at me and uh, I realized, oh man. Um, and I talked to the guide person from the neighborhood who was guiding us and she said, yeah, they might be worried uh, because they see white people as associated with law enforcement there and some of them are running from the police and so they'd be worried about that. And so I said, well, maybe we should go over there and I can, I can apologize and offer to take you know my photos off my phone and they said yeah let's do it so we went over and i said hey look i'm really sorry i didn't ask your permission to take photos and i can i can just delete it right now and um i said i i just took these photos because people in, in our ministry a lot of them are coming out of prison and gangs and they'd heard about manenberg and uh, so i just thought they'd be interested in seeing photos and and then i showed them some pictures of our people at tierra nueva and they were like, oh, no, this is that's fine. You can keep the photos. And, and then they wanted me to take photos of them. And so things turned around. But if I had if I just continued on, clearly I would have they would have been bitter and hateful towards me and with reason. And um, but anyway, I was able to go into neighborhoods, um, white neighborhoods, um, you know, either Afrikaans or English speaking neighborhoods. And no one would even look at me. I mean, they would look at me positively. And I think. When you're from um, a racial ethnic profile or you know social class a privilege you know we have the ability to move um, from place to place but if you're a brown person like people that um, are colored that's the category of people living in manenberg i asked them well could you go into a white community that was afrikaans speaking because they speak afrikaans and people said no we could never we would have security walking behind us and ushering us away you know, and they told me that they couldn't go to some of the neighborhoods that I that I was going 
in the evenings to, you know, to have a meal or to, to take walks along the seafront. Um, they wouldn't be allowed to, even though they're South Africans and I'm a, I'm a white American. Um, I could just come and do whatever I wanted. If I was a black American, it might be a different matter or Latino or brown skinned American, I would probably be categorized in a similar way. So anyway, here we have um, this um, mention of Sion. Sion, king of the Amorites. Um, that's one of the mighty kings. And he slew mighty kings for his loving kindness is everlasting. Sion, king of the Amorites, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Well, who is Sion and why is he mentioned? And what is the meaning of that? And so this got me looking at um, Numbers chapter 21. And um, I'm going to read a section about this. Um, so anyway, the Canaanites, there were different Canaanite kings that were blocking Moses and the people as they moved through the wilderness on their way to Canaan. And um, anyway, the so these people were blocking the people of God. Think about Israel as the people of God and who have a, a destiny, which is the kingdom of God, so to speak. Okay, so... Um, so when they set um, the Lord, um, let's see, if we look at verse 21, it says, Then Israel sent messengers to Sion, king of the Amorites, saying, Let me pass through your land. We will not turn off into a field or vineyard. We will not drink water from wells. We will go to the king's highway. We will go by the king's highway until we have passed through the, your border. So here they approach um, one of the mighty kings of the land. And very diplomatically, um, they ask permission and they specify, um, we won't turn off um, to, into the fields or vineyards. We won't drink the water from the wells. We're, we're going to stay on the main road. Um, but Sion would not permit Israel to pass through his border. Okay, now um, we see this happening all the time in our ministry. Like we try to do things following all the protocols. Like we've been, I've been trying with my brother, Dave, to help my brother, Peter, who's stuck in a jail in South Carolina. And we provide tons of information to show that Peter actually isn't guilty for the charges that are being leveled against him. He's been in the jail for one year and his bail's at 400000 And we tried to get the bail reduct, reduced down to something affordable. But um, despite all of our providing all the right information, you know, convincing information, when the prosecutor got up um, before the judge at the bail reduction hearing, um, she knew that um, she could uh, bring all of his past charges, um, even ones where there wasn't a conviction, and she could um, use that to, to spook the judge. So she brought up all these past charges, um, most of which never resulted in convictions. And she said, this is a dangerous person. He's been charged with this, 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 this. And uh, legally, she was allowed to do that. Um, and uh, the attorney uh, who was defending my brother wasn't able to really respond um, in a way that was that brought comfort to the judge. And so the judge was feeling like if, he, if she lowered the bail, that uh, this could provide pr present a danger to uh, you know to the uh, my brother's uh, ex partner, ex wife, and and so in interest of self protection for the and and liability um the bail wasn't reduced and even though everything was done according to protocol um we have another situation where um a person in our faith community who is in drug court who was allowed into drug court 
because they, uh, even though the current prosecutor is trying to shut down this whole alternative sentencing program of drug court, which is such a valuable program, um, this person, he made, he committed a crime partly partway through his um, drug court experience based on just him relapsing after his mother died. And it was a tragic situation. And he relapsed, but very quickly regained composure. He did some time, a punishment for having relapsed and committed this crime. But now, six months later, after this person has gotten their whole life together, they've been clean and sober. They're coming to all of our Bible studies and church services and 12-step groups as well. And the person got a job, um, got a car, has got the car repaired, has housing, has a job at the community college. So doing everything according to the rules. And um, the prosecutor saying, no, I'm going to order you to come out of drug court and you're going to have to go and do the prison sentence that you had um, pled guilty to. That's what happens with drug court. People uh, will have to plead guilty to charges. So they have, um, and then they're sentenced to a time in prison. So that's hanging over their heads. So if they don't comply with drug court, then they have um, that threat of being sent to prison. So the prosecutor, despite this guy doing everything, and we wrote letters in his favor saying, look, this is a guy who needs all the support of the system as possible, and we stand behind him 100% for these reasons. The prosecutor wouldn't budge. And so then our friend became discouraged and relapsed. And so this is these powers are like Sion, who is refusing to allow the Israelites to pass through. They are like border officials or legal um, powers and principalities that block direct, you know, people to move forward in their lives. You know, it's like systems that have requirements that uh, that people can't meet, um, no matter how hard they try, because of maybe lack of finances or because they're just the ill will that they're not. There's not favor. They have no favor. And so look what happens. So um, anyway, Sion gathers all of his people and went out against Israel in the wilderness and came to Jahaz and fought against Israel. Then Israel struck with the edge of the sword and took possession of the land from Arnon to the Jabbok as far as the sons of Ammon, for the border of the sons of Ammon, Ammon was Jazer. Israel took all these cities and Israel lived in all the cities of the Amorites in Heshbon and in all of her villages. Um, and, uh, and so anyway, this shows that God um, really is on the side of, you know, those that are being blocked from moving forward into a fruitful life. And wow, that was really good news to talk about yesterday with our faith community, because um, we just lost uh, a dear person, uh, a young man named Daniel, uh, who went by the name of Trigger, who was in the jail. And um, we've been blocked from going to the jail because uh, with the, the excuse is that um, COVID is still out there and, you know, the guard, there's not enough guards to, you know, to allow us in, even though I've said, look, I'll sign a legal waiver saying that I'm, I don't hold anyone accountable if something happens to me, but we've been blocked for three years to go into the jail and um, inmates are in there 23 hours a day. So this guy, Daniel did time, his resistances were all down. Um, 30 year old guy who I've known probably 20 years, he uh, he's the nephew of one of our close friends, Ramon. Um, this guy got out and right away uh, overdosed on fentanyl and died last Monday. And we're just grieving the loss of this young man who's just a beautiful person. Okay, but it, it's because the systems are 
are blocking access. They're like scion. These are psionic systems, uh, legal systems that are part of that that are principalities and powers that are enemies of God. They're small g gods, small l lords, who um, Jesus um, will destroy. Okay, like they uh, these systems that um, are that we're so proud of that we think are just better than other countries. And we justify them by saying, well, they're better than Russia. They're better than China. They're better. That's no excuse. That doesn't give us any uh, superiority just because we're, you know, we look better than other uh, developing world places or, you know, even big power world uh, places like Russia or China. You know, we are, uh, we are killing people based on, um, you know, uh, legal blockades that keep people from moving forward. Okay. So, but anyway, God is on the side of the underdog in this story. And um, God slew mighty kings, Sion, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And he gave their land as a heritage, for his loving kindness is everlasting. So this is like um, Jesus's beatitude. Blessed are the, the, the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Um, for... Um, he gave their land as a heritage. The earth is the Lord's and the Lord gives it to the meek. Um, even a heritage to Israel, that is the people of God, his servant, for his loving kindness is everlasting. So, wow, that is so much, that's just so much of a huge promise. And, um, you know, we we are just uh, also grieving the loss of just a beautiful person, Cindy, who has been part of our faith community for years and years. And, um, She's just a young, a younger woman in her fifties who, whose body was found in her apartment um, two days ago, um, and we are just heartbroken to lose this beautiful person, you know, who, um, you know, but taken by death, and um, you know, if I just want to read First Corinthians fifteen as a reminder of of just how we, you know, how how Jesus has conquered the powers and principalities and in, in and especially including death. So, um, but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep, um, including Cindy. For since by a man came death, it's by Adam, so also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. All will be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, after that those who are Christ's at his coming. You know, Daniel, I know he was a believer, Cindy, um, this guy named Happy, who's a brother of one of our uh, people that come to faith, our faith community, Joe Ray. Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, this is Jesus, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign until he's put all of his enemies under his feet. Okay, those enemies include um, nation states like the USA political parties like the Democratic Party, like the Republican Party, you know, um, the porn industry, um, the drug cartels, the, um, you know, just substances of every kind, pharmaceuticals and illegal drugs. Um, they include all of the sins of lust and hatred and anger and jealousy. And, you know, they include um, the demonic powers um, and they include death. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. Okay, so God is not for death, which is what war is all about, using the threat of death and actually killing of others to, to block things. 
So God is not in favor of, of, of the Ukraine war, okay? God's not in the favor of Russians dying or Ukrainians dying. He's not in favor of Putin's invasion, okay? But just because he's against the Putin's invasion doesn't mean he's for uh, the West um, spending, sending all of his weapons to take the lives of, 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 of Russians and, and to provoke the anger of, of Russia against Ukraine and just to escalate and to, to the point of there being even the possibility of a nuclear confrontation. You know, God is not in favor of the U.S. saber-rattling against China, nor of China's growth and, um, and domination as an empire. Um, and so these are all part of the world of the powers and principalities. And the last enemy that will be abolished is death, for he has put all things in subjection under his feet. And when he says all things are put in subjection, it's evident that he is accepted who put all things in subjection to him. So anyway, Jesus um, is, is uh, he's the head of the church. And so according to Colossians chapter one, um, all of these powers and principalities and every name that is named is under Jesus's feet, who's the head of the church and under our feet as members of the body of Christ. So we need to remember that. So let's get right to the end here of this Psalm. Verse 23 who remembered us in our low estate. I just love this. This, um, you know, God is a God who remembers us in our low estate. And um, this term is the term um, um, in Greek, it's uh, papenosis, papenosis. And this is the term that is used in the Magnificat, where Mary says, for he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. You know, God is a God who remembers the poor, and remembers the outcast, remembers the prisoner, remembers the foreigner, the the unhoused person, um, the depressed person, the bipolar person, the 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 abandoned person, the divorced person, um, you know, the gender um, fluent person, um, you know, whoever it is, you know, we we all have our struggles, and God remembers our low state, um, for His loving kindness is everlasting. And um, he's rescued us from our adversaries for his loving kindness is everlasting. So God is the rescuer. God is the savior through Jesus Christ. And this is what we need to remember right now. And this is the good news that we need to become assured of through repeating this um, chorus over and over for his loving kindness is permanent, eternal, never runs out. It's everlasting. Uh, for he's rescued us from our adversaries, you know, Satan and the powers of, of evil and the principalities and powers that are manifested in structures and uh, systems of this world, the economy, currencies, everything, uh, substances, who gives food to all flesh. This is a God who's about real life uh, meeting the needs of all of us, you know. Um, give us this day our daily bread, we pray. Um, God is a God who wants to meet our basic needs and is committed to helping us for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his loving kindness is everlasting. So give thanks or profess, confess, affirm um, that the God of heaven is good and that his, everlast his, his love, uh, loving kindness is everlasting. So may God bless you as you discover and rediscover that liberating truth.